episode 104 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world and fandom of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And today we are continuing our recap of Legend of Korra Season 2 with 207 Beginnings Part 1 and 208 Beginnings Part 2. In this episode, you can obviously expect full spoilers for the Legend of Korra, as well as potential spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender and the FCE Kiyoshi novels. And uh, Before we get in and Yang Chen. You got um, but oh, we we do have to add that to the to the log line, don't we? Well, actually, we do have we have um, listed as FCE novels. I'm sorry. Oh, that's why I wrote it like that, huh? It's okay. We could just keep going. Yeah. Hi, listeners. Uh, before we get into that discussion, though, Kayla, how are we doing this week? Oh, you know, just still navigating my early twenties crisis. You know, as as one does. Um, right. But you know, I I'm still alive. I'm you know. Rewatching Arcane, I have jumped, you know, jumped head, feet, and ass back into my Arcane phase. So that's Love been it. that's become my comfort show again. And uh, two years later, I need season two. Yesterday, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's 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 great though. It's still just as good uh, as when I first watched it. I also highly recommend watching it after having a gummy. Uh, has, has that has season two been confirmed? <laughs> yeah, season two is happening. It's I think awesome. supposed to be coming out this year or early next year, uh, like end of this year, early next year. But like, it's okay, take your time. But also, like, I need it. You know, like <laughs> yeah. you want good art to come out of it. You want a good story. You want something that's gonna satisfy you. But at the same time, you're just like feral. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> I get it. I get you. Uh, and then I'm just you. busy with shadow casting things. We're doing reefer madness. Uh, well, I think by the time this episode comes out, it'll have been done already. So mm. hopefully it goes well. Wish us all the luck. And it's one it's night only. One night only. Reefer Madness in Pittsburgh. It's already done by the time this episode comes out. But hey, stick around next year. We'll do it again. <laughs> I'm sure it will be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But how are you doing? What you've been up to? Oh, you know, this and that. Um no, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm doing rehearsals for James and Giant Peach. We're opening in two and a half weeks. So, um, yeah, I'm just just vibing, just vibing, really. Vibing's just trying to good. get trying to get through this month. I feel like this month has been, I it's both super long and super fast at the same time. Yeah, I also feel that. It's like I think it's because of the changing weather. Yes, but um, but yeah. <sighs> has the weather been like flip flop with you? Because it has been playing with my emotions again this week. And it's been like, you know, super cloudy. Oh, yeah. And then, you no, know, next thing you know, it's summertime. And then it decides to be winter for five minutes. And then, yeah, you know, no matter whether you bring a coat or not, you're wrong. You know, it's that kind of year. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I've had to leave the house with a coat, like, just in case. Cause if it's not, it'll be like, you know, 60 during the day. But like at night, it's like, oh, it's 38 degrees. I'm like, cool. Got it. Exactly. What you season know? are we in? I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm, it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm not I'm I'm kind of out of my season right now. I mean, for anyone who's been listening for years, y'all know my jam is fall and winter. So spring and summer, I'm just kind of like, okay, just like waiting for it to be over. Like, you know, already thinking about Halloween and just like always. I'm really excited for fall this year, though, because we have this giant tree in our back in our new backyard. And I'm really hoping that we get some beautiful fall foliage mm-hmm. when it when it starts turning colors. Either that or it's like one of those trees where it like it gets cold and like dies, basically. <laughs> so we'll see. But yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Um, 
no news in the uh, Avatar world uh, yeah. right now. But um, we got some things happening in the Avatar universe in the, in the show because, you know, we've reached the origin story episode, the one that we've yeah. kind of been waiting for. Which in, 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 in full candor, um, I believe this episode, these two episodes redeemed the season quite a bit. Um I if if this was not in this season, I I I think this season would be like extremely forgettable. Uh, this is like truly the the standout episodes from this season. But but yeah, before we get into discussing those two episodes, which we will do shortly, we just wanted to remind everyone and let you know that these bi-weekly episodes are not the only way that you can enjoy the Avatar Hour podcast. We have tons and tons and tons of exclusive content on our Patreon for as little as $1 a month and up to $5 a month, including early release ad-free episodes, our Zoom recording sessions, access to our episode schedule so you can see what we're talking about in advance, as well as our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour, where Kayla and I have little mini discussions about a specific topic two weeks ago we posted our avatar after hour discussing and debating whether or not we would date someone who was the avatar um and we actually talked a lot more than i thought we would yeah because uh, we thought it was a cut and dry answer but it wasn't there was lots of lots of things to consider we had so. two different approaches yeah it was a yeah. whole, it's a whole yeah. shindig <laughs> yeah really interesting discussion if you want to hear that that's going to be um in our air acolyte tier which is five dollars a month but if you want to enjoy the smaller other benefits uh you can join us for a little as one or three dollars a month so if you'd like to join us at patreon visit our website at patreon patreon.com slash the avatar hour podcast without further ado kayla you want to just get right into these episodes let's do it especially this is nice because last week we kind of had a bit of a drag with those two episodes so this is a nice reward after that (laughs) <laughs> yeah and we're back yeah yeah exactly um so i'll say this i these are two episodes that i distinctly remember watching when they came out um because i was like 17 mm-hmm. um when these came out and i remember being like just like so excited because this is a really big deal this was a super super big deal at the time like we were getting to see the first avatar and i don't remember precisely if you know, like, you know, on Nickelodeon, if there were trailers, like, kind of teasing, like, that we would get the story of uh, the first Avatar. But I do remember it, like, kind of coming out of nowhere. So I want to say that there wasn't a whole lot of um, lead up. Uh, I do know, though, before the season came out, I think at Comic-Con, it was teased that the season would get into the uh, origin story of the first Avatar. Um, and uh, my theory is that um, this was also a big incentive for Nickelodeon to renew the show for season two because they knew that that would be such a big thing for mm. Avatar fans that they would want to see. Yeah, a big draw for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you remember when you first watched these episodes and when you thought about them? I remember watching them on Amazon Prime under my covers uh, <laughs> in high school <laughs> when I was supposed to be asleep. Um, mm-hmm. I think the thing that I just remember distinctly like the most was the art style and like the shift of it. I think that's the thing that stood out to me the most. Obviously, big deal. They are going into the first ever Avatar. A lot of, I don't know, it felt like this was something that was, um, not that like shows don't delve into the first, like obviously there's a lot of like backstories and stuff like that to the world, but like this is like, mm-hmm. you know beginning of the world is kind of stuff not just like the beginning of one particular 
I hope I'm making some sense here by saying this. No, no, no. It no, feels no, like yeah, something like exactly this would have been like, you know, obviously very much discussed in fan fiction at the, up until that point. Maybe even, you know, maybe there are still some AU fan fiction of a different first avatar. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels like a lot of, you know, big, you, you know, big world building stories out there don't quite get into like the very early history. Like this is 10,000 years before Korra, before the story, even, you know, Korra story even takes place. So like, yeah, yeah, they don't go that far usually. In and, and I think this is, this is, this season is the one that like, can like actually gives us a number for how long the avatar has been around. Mm-hmm. Because in the first series, we get the, we get the idea that there's been a lot of them because we see that giant room at the Southern Air Temple, so we can infer, you know, if that's, you know, uh, generously giving each avatar a hundred years to live. It's a, a really long time since the first avatar uh, came around, right? Um, but yeah, this is, it is truly like a uh, beginning of the world kind of stuff. But also, there is also um, no implication that, I mean, we don't know how mu- much more history is before one, you know? like Yeah. And it's, and it's weird to kind of think of like a world like this without um, an avatar. But I mean, obviously the the people living on the lion turtles seem to have been doing so for quite a long time. So there's yeah. still even more history before one, which I think is like crazy that, you know, this world has been around for so long. Yeah. I mean, um, like the, uh, I mean, they, they didn't really see too many other humans outside of the humans they grew up with on the lion turtles that they lived in, you know? Yeah. Um, which I like didn't catch it on the first watch of, you know, of this episode when I first watched it all those years ago. And, you know, that also brought up those similar questions when I was, you know, watching the episode. But I'm remembering having to bring myself back to center on that of like, you know, don't want to too far off of the episode, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, also, another kind of surprise for this episode is... Um, the I can't remember his name, but I know that I love the list of Zabumafu in there, <laughs> and then our notes. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> I don't think we ever got his name, did we? Uh, I looked him up on Avatar Wiki. He doesn't have a name, but they've labeled him um, the Ai Spirit, which is just a kind of lemur. Yeah, like I think it's a real world like animal. It looks like a um, lemur, yeah. But yeah, he doesn't have an actual name. But okay. I can't I can't take credit for the Subumafu label because this was something that I heard years ago on another podcast. It wasn't an Avatar podcast. This was a podcast called Rewatchable where they would go back and watch old TV shows and react to them with a panel of people who have already seen it and a panel and a panel of people who were new to it. Um so and they I re- remember them calling this character Zabumafu because of the likeness to the actual 90s That's... cartoon or not cartoon but you know puppet or whatever yes um, he was also so, yeah, a real no... lemur too <laughs> oh yeah that's right <laughs> excuse the, the defense <laughs> I don't so, have I didn't I didn't like watch the, the, so the defensive, the defense mechanism came I'm sorry. That show Zabufu was a big part of my childhood. So like, you know, I immediately just jumped on and that. And he was also a real lemur. Thank you. <laughs> okay, damn. No, right. I am so sorry. It's okay. I don't know what came it's over okay. me. You, you have strong feelings for Zabufu. It's okay. It's all right. The nostalgia is real strong, guys. Um, but anyway, so he mentions that there's dozens of lion turtles. So I was mm-hmm. operating under the assumption that there was just 
the four, you know, representing each of the elements. Um, but like dozens of lion turtles, like, I don't know, that kind of blew my mind a little bit upon watching this again. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, there's nothing in the episode to confirm this. I think of it as like only some of them are elemental lion turtles and other of them are just like regular lion turtles. But I'm not really sure. And this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit on my notes. But um, when Rava and Juan go to the air um, lion turtle to get the element, the way that Rava speaks to the lion turtle is like very reverent. And it kind of makes me think that these lion turtles were around even before the spirits. Like these are extremely ancient, respected beings. Mm-hmm. And like, I think we can infer like the beginning of life as this world knows it. And I think they might have been around even before Rava and Vatu. Um, but yeah, so that's it could be that all of them can bestow the element i only think that because you don't see a whole lot of humans running around with the elements Mm -hmm. right it seems to be like a very rare occurrence and there's also seems to be like this contract that they give the element back um so so yeah i think it's it's really interesting but i mean starting at the the very 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 beginning cora washes up on shore um I thought that this could have been a lion turtle, maybe even the same lion turtle that Aang was on. But I'm I started to like walk away from that when they were like in the the caverns, right? And we see like when Aang floats around, like there's no bottom of the lion turtle that goes like you know deeper than that. So I don't think it, but could have been. Um, and she has to you know heal in this, and we have this character who does this fire healing that we've never seen before. That was and so I cool. like the idea that that characters can use fire to heal Mm because we think of it as the exact opposite there's also this popular fan theory that the woman using this fire healing is actually azula um and there's quite a bit of evidence to uh that people like infer that from not only just like you know the hair is kind of reminiscent of azula the age matches up the eye color is the same um and i think people who are like pro redemption arc like really want to think of this as azula um i don't think we'll ever get a confirmation of that but i don't see any reason for it not to be azula so i guess it's a fan theory a good of fan theory as as it can be so i don't know i'm more like i'm more kind of indifferent leaning more towards the uh, on it you know Mm. but like i'm not gonna you know you do you boo you you theorize what you want (laughs) i'm not gonna judge too harshly (laughs) yeah yeah I think people like it because, like, Zuko ends up going after the Avatar and then helping the Avatar. And this is, this would be Azula kind of doing the same thing, but with another Avatar. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I could see why people can think that. Um, But yeah, so she goes into the the healing waters to reconnect because she's, like, completely forgotten who she was. Um, And we go into this backstory of the first Avatar. And I personally love the idea of this first avatar being like a robin hood kind of character um because i feel like other writers for something like this like would have made him like a pretty boring super kind super good character with no flaws because it's like you know the avatar right like Mm -hmm. they're a beacon of of generosity and goodness right um and i like that this is just like any regular kind of guy 
um, who like, you know, has a strong sense of what's good and, and what's not, um, which is really just the Avatar in general, right? I that's that's I think why a lot of people love the Avatar series is because the person actually being the Avatar is almost always incredibly flawed, you know, which yeah. I think makes them relatable, you know. So um also side note here, the two brothers that are chasing him throughout this opening sequence is so distracting to me because these are just like Copy three paste. carbon copies of Bolin. Just different heights. <laughs> and it's the same voice actor too. Yeah, and it's like so distracting. I know. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, was the budget like really that tight?" Like, I mean, and then later, later on in the episode, you can hear the um the pro bending announcer being like, "The spirits are fighting," and it sounds like there's like no effort to like do another voice. Yeah, like it's just the no, exact, it's just <laughs> the same. Yeah. I love that. I love when I could like be like, oh yeah, that's and I think that's not that I'm pretty sure that that's not the first time that they've done that, especially with Bolin's voice actor. Um, I just love it. Oh, absolutely. Um do 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 do. Okay, so Juan orchestrates this thing where he wants to basically steal fire from the lion turtle. Um, and then he happens upon the spirit oasis. And I tried to confirm this with Avatar Wiki, but I always thought it was confirmed that this spirit oasis was the same one that's in the Northern water tribe. Cause it's got that same bridge and everything, but uh, Avatar Wiki doesn't seem to confirm this, which usually if, if someone like one of the writers or something has confirmed it, they'll put like a footnote or something, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been confirmed, but I, I've always thought that that, was the same spirit oasis. I don't know if you've ever thought the same thing. I remember, I remember like, so again, it's been years since I watched this episode when he was placed in the water and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I knew immediately that I was going to heal him, but I anticipate like, you know, I thought it would be something would happen with the water, like some early form of water bending and even the sound, mm-hmm. I think is the exact same as what they use for water healing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, considering the fact that like the southern portal is surrounded by greenery and things like that, uh, you know, in this, I think it's the go to the southern portal, correct? I'm trying to remember. They go to one of the portals, and it's like obviously completely different from what it looks like in chorus time, um, mm-hmm. greenery and stuff like that. So I don't oh, think yeah, it would yeah. be too far of a, you know, reach to say that it would be, you know, closer to the northern water, like tribe. in a forest, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe there's just multiple spirit oases throughout the world and we just don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we don't we don't really get a sense of like where this is actually taking place. Like, because we we don't have any nations established, obviously, so far. Um but yeah, that was just something I noticed. Um let's talk about this spirit possession stuff. Cause yeah. I think this is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um and, and it's horrifying. a it's it's a little horrifying and a little dark. And I was like, this is a lot. Um, and it's it's even more horrifying when the humans like stay like that, like when of they're like fusion. their features are yeah the the like the half spirit it's it's like actually kind of really scary, and I was wondering do you think spirits in the in like chorus time because we don't we don't see this in Aang's show or chorus show. And I'm wondering if it's because they can't do this anymore because they've lived separately from the humans for so long. Um, which brings up two questions. Does Korra opening up the spirit portals at the end leave to any liability of any spirit possessing a human like this again? 
And two, could you imagine a spirit like co-possessing a human like that? Like that would be terrifying. Just a little <laughs> like, bit. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that. I think your theory makes sense that they've been separated from humans for so long that like, you know, they kind of lost that ability maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. I never, on, I honestly never gave it much thought because I kind of forgot that even happened until I watched that episode. So <laughs> yeah, it's just, oh, I don't, it always like freaked me out. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially that character in the beginning, Yao, who's like half tree, mm-hmm. is like, ugh, ugh. I am group. Gives me, gives me the heebie jeebies. Yeah, literally. Um, cool. So Juan stays in the spirit oasis after saving Mula, his his uh animal familiar or the cat deer. And I love the scene of him learning firebending from the dragon. And I love the detail of it being the same dance that Aang and Zuko learned in the Firebending Masters episode. Love that. And they make a mention to say that it was like he was using fire as an extension of his body, which we've heard multiple times throughout the show. And this is it it hits home that this is a very unprecedented way of using bending because you see like one before he does this and the hunters, they're just like throwing the fire like you know, like they're tennis balls. Like there's then, no form to it. There's no technique to it. Yeah. And then, you know, the hunters attack one. He basically has like a water bending move. He, re- he makes the fire around him and redirects mm-hmm. it back at them. Um, and I think that also explains like the, the visual of him learning fire bending from the dragon is like also a visual answer to people's questions of like, you know, well, I thought the bending came from other animals and stuff and, you know, learn from other animals. Like, no, the ability to just shoot fire or, you know, manipulate the earth or whatever, you know, lion turtles granted that. But the technique for it, the best ways to move that element and to work with it came from watching other animals, you know. Mm-hmm. So there, there's your answer there. You know, it's explained right there in the scene in this entire yeah, episode. and that's why I didn't want want to even bring it out because it it literally is explained like two scenes later. But it's it's a it's a common like you know talking point for uh, Legend of Korra naysayers because some people think that this episode was a giant retcon. And I was like, okay, well, you do you, you boo. <laughs> so one, you know, disappearing into the forest, learning the firebending, everything. This inspires his friend Jaya and other people to leave the lion turtle cities because we didn't even mention this, but the whole reason people are living on the lion turtle cities is because of like the spirits and the spirit wilds being a dangerous place for people to be. Um, But so they go and get the fire from the lion turtle and the lion turtles. Okay. With this, I don't know if they lied to the lion turtle and said, we'll give it back the same way Juan did. Um, But they're, you know, he's okay with it. Um, and I noticed that uh, Yao, the guy who's like, you know, half tree, he noticeably is not carrying like the fire. Uh, and I was wondering if it's because he's been possessed by a spirit, like it just like fucks you up in a way where like that's just not possible for you anymore, which again, even makes it even more horrifying. Yeah, I think it's just like that person's been twisted so much by bits of spirit and bits of being human um, that yeah, it's just like... Just- cancels each other just, out, yeah, I guess. messes you up. Yeah. Essentially, he's fucked up and can't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yikes. Um, so yeah, and then we, we Juan happens upon Rava and Vatu fighting. Of course, he doesn't know who, what these spirits are. He separates them and basically throws the whole world out of balance, which I think there's something so narrative, narratively juicy about the first Avatar 
becoming the avatar because he threw the world out of balance in the first place. Like, I love that. Um, I don't even think of it that it just, way. Yeah, I I think that's exactly what they were intending to do. Um, and I just it just makes everything so much more poignant, you know? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, he was fixing a mistake that he made. And it becomes, like, you know, the avatar's main purpose is to maintain balance and to correct it when it when the world is out of balance right so i just love that that we're already starting to see the really big themes of being the avatar like starting to be planted with this character so i just love it i love this this first episode so delicious do you have any uh, uh, other thoughts about this first part nothing i can think of off the top of my head okay all right well let's take a break here and we will be back with our thoughts for part two we'll see you in a bit Hey everyone, Kayla here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check and make sure you're following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider it leaving us a review and maybe some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and to help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And we're back with our second part of the recap. Um, I thought, I thought I had a better intro than that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's your, what's your first note for uh, this episode? Um, I really wanted to comment real quick because I forgot to mention it in the first part, but I absolutely fucking love the art style for this. Um, so I, I mean, I think I mentioned how much I loved it before, but Mm -hmm. I think I didn't quite mention what I love about it is the fact that like, it really shows how much of a different time it was. Um, mm-hmm. And it's definitely been influenced by different um, Asian art styles. Um, and I think even the lion turtles movements kind of move like shadow puppets. Um, yeah. And yeah. like that kind of just that detail and like the different art style that makes it stand out so starkly against, you know, the worlds that we've seen is mm-hmm. just delicious. <laughs> Yeah, I have a I have a note here um, taken from the Avatar Wiki trivia section, and it says this new animation style design was inspired by the ancient Chinese ink wash paintings, Japanese woodblock woodblock prints, mm-hmm. and Tibetan tapestry paintings. Paintings, oh my god, Tibetan Paint. tapestry paintings, and was achieved by changing changing the color palette, reducing lighting effects, and increasing stylizing of the backgrounds and bending effects. Hmm. So there was a lot, yeah, that went into making this a very, very different looking episode of Avatar. And I just love that the I love the care that was taken um to also draw inspiration from those things. So absolutely. It's also just refreshing. I mean that's also one of the things I love about Avatar is because it pulls from a different source of inspiration that a lot of fantasy uh, doesn't with these, you know, Asian and indigenous influences um, mm-hmm. in their stories uh, and mythology and aspects of their cultures it just makes it stand out against the rest of the stories out there um, and fantasy shows, but also particularly in the world of animation, it even makes it stand out amongst its own, you know, animation style. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, when people think of like they're like the best, like or rather like the most steps that stand out the most in Legend of Korra, I can guarantee you most people will think about these episodes and that art style I think has a lot to do with it too. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so I mean I have a couple of things um about this episode. First of all, it was super cool to see what the first airbenders looked like mm-hmm. and how subtly different their mm-hmm. their tattoos were. Um 
And yeah, again, I have this note about how Rava seems to revere the lion turtles. Um, so it just makes me think again that they were have been around long, longer than the spirits ever were. Um, I didn't make a note here that I loved the elements montage of him learning the different elements. And I like that he was learning them in the order of the cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wish they had more time to show us like one learning from like the moon and the bisons and the badger moles, or maybe if there were other natural like inspirations or animals for uh, the other elements as well. Um, But I think I, I'm sure if they had more time, they would have included that, but um, I don't think they had enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a side note here that Vatu sounds a lot like Darth Vader, and I thought for the longest time that it was James Earl Jones who voiced Vatu, um, but it is, in fact, not, and I'm going to pull up and give credit to the actual voice actor, whose name is Jonathan Adams. Um, let's see, what else is he... Known for playing Henry Walker on American Dreams, Daniel Goodman on Bones, and Chuck Larrabee on Last Man Standing. Hmm. I thought he would be in more, like, voiceover roles, because, like, he has a very distinct voice for Batu. Mm-hmm. so. He's got other credits for Legend of Korra, like, just, like, random, like, Northern Soldiers, Security Guard, so. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, been, he's been around the show, mm-hmm. um, and he's also got official credit, official credit for Unavatu, which I love. <laughs> good um but yeah <laughs> love that um so i mean let, let's talk about the the biggest thing about this episode when uh basically the harmonic convergence um what i love about this whole sequence is that i think there was like a special care taken into making sure that this fight looked and felt a lot more different than chorus fight later on in this season um, because it's the same setting it's the same circumstances and everything right um, but I think I think the vibe of each is like so completely different which I appreciate you know mm-hmm. because I, I think it has to do with like we know that Juan wins right but we, do, we don't really know that uh, at least first time watching it that if Cora actually wins you mm-hmm. know um, and this is like you know the, the highest the stakes ever the stakes have ever been especially for Korra mm-hmm. um and my favorite moment of course is when Juan and Raba fuse together and he goes into the avatar state and you hear the avatar theme in its full glory and he puts Vatu in like the four elements ball that we've seen a couple of times with like Aang and everything it just gives me chills every single time like I think it's just so well done absolutely um it's just it's just such a such a good sequence. Another I think. thing I wanted to point out that make it that makes a sequence. I don't know if basically because he is the first avatar, there are no other avatar voices. So before, you know, yeah. in uh, you know, Aang's time, you obviously hear the voices of other avatars mixed in with his when he speaks when he's in the avatar state. And, you know, eventually Korra, after what happens at her harmonic harmonic convergence she eventually becomes that lone voice when she's in the avatar state. Um, mm-hmm. But also that kind of shows that like, because she did lose, she's starting from square one, essentially as an avatar again, she is starting another 10,000 years of avatars there. So she's exact. I mean, like, I think that's exactly what the intent was, is that she is starting a completely new avatar cycle. 
Um, yeah. But and, we can and, put a pin in that too. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely talk about that more once we get to the harmonic convergence episodes. But there is a lot to be said in this world about destiny and fate and everything. And I mean, as as terrible as it is that Korra lost that that connection to this first Avatar cycle, I think the reason that there's a reason where we see why we see Juan and Korra fighting in the harmonic convergence. I think it's meant to be essentially like a spiritual reset like you know because it it's i think it's the universe balancing itself you know and sometimes that that's that's what it looks like in this world um but again we'll put a pin in that we'll talk more about it once we get to the end of this season um but yeah i just think the whole the whole scene was so glorious um did you have any other thoughts about this this battle between Juan and Batu? I do, I, I'll, I, this is sounding a small detail, but I do like the, that you can see the toll it takes on him from being fused with the spirit for as long as he mm-hmm. has. And like also like that static kind of effect that they chose to show that mm-hmm. physical, visceral reaction to it. Uh, I mean, they did establish that it's, you know, it can be a horrifying thing when, to, when a spirit and a human kind of merge for a bit, for even just a little bit. Um, and obviously things try differently for one, but. Uh, just showing like how much of a toll that takes on a human and for Juan to take that on, that kind of pain on until, you know, that moment he reaches into the portal and, you know, and he defeats Fatu, you know, it's that kind of, I don't know. It's just the detail in that, you know, of they set this up from the start of, up from the start of this arc showing that this is not fucking usual for this world, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Rava even herself says that this has never been attempted before. And he does try. Um, I think I think this was in the second episode where you know he tries to separate a fight between the humans and the spirits, and he tries to fuse with Rava, but he like she can't stay in his body for that long. And I think obviously the circumstances are different with harmonic convergence because we know like the spiritual energy is like turned up to it to a thousand at this point and you know having contact with the spirit portal i think you know um but i i I do want to get a little bit into this thought that i have about you know obviously we see um one die at the end of the episode and it transitions into the next avatar and i'm wondering like I'm, I might have asked this question before on the podcast, but I'm, I want to ask it again because I think it's relevant. Um, do we think, one, Rava chooses who she reincarnates into um, because they have to be like a like spiritually good person? And if that is the case, could we ever have a situation where the avatar just like makes the decision to become evil. Like, is that even possible? Can they make that decision? Like, and what makes them evil? Like, you know, because I mean, when you introduce like the good spirit and the bad spirit and you have someone like the avatar inhabited by the good spirit, you know, that raises a lot of questions about, like what is what does good mean is it is it a moral question is it a spiritual question i don't know do you have any thoughts on that i do remember having this conversation before and uh 
sorry, I went too far from the mic. I, I remember ca- talking about this before. I don't remember what I said then, but now thinking about it, I feel like if focusing on, you know, can the person ever choose to be bad? I mean, avatars have made bad choices that are not, you know, morally squeaky clean, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, this might sound like a little bit like conch. I don't know. I am like thinking on this more about like the whole ultimate good and ultimate evil. And like, you mm-hmm. know, especially now we're having a lot more like complex antagonists and complex protagonists. Um, and maybe I am not a huge fan of that being the overarching thing for this season of like having to mm-hmm. face up against the ultimate evil and, you know, once you reach that point, that's kind of, I don't know, it feels it feels like the, everything after that, after this arc kind of like takes a step back. We go from these big mm-hmm. cosmic, you know, spirits and gods, essentially, to, you know, how do you how do you step back from that? You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. And now that I think about it, I don't like it as much as I, I mean, not that I was a huge fan of it from the get go, but I feel mm-hmm. like now I'm kind of like more of a. Hmm, I don't like it. <laughs> I think it's complicated because I think it introduces some questions that I don't necessarily think reinforce the world building of of this show mm-hmm. or this world. Um because I mean, clearly we have seen like especially like in the Kyoshi novels, the avatar is not like completely incapable of making morally questionable or morally wrong decisions. And if I think about what the purposes of of the Avatar are, is to maintain balance and to be the bridge between humans and spirits, at least before Korra opens the portals, you know. Going from person to person, maintaining balance could mean a lot of things. And one could even argue that in Unalak's perspective, he's the one keeping balance, Mm -hmm. you know. But it just... And I think that's why I think Unalak is done a disservice by the writing because he's he's thrown into more of a Ozai territory of bad, but without all of like the enamor and the engaging parts and qualities of Ozai that I think are there. Um because I because we have all the like season ones, three and four, we obviously have very interesting, flawed, morally gray, I don't say morally gray, but like the villains are are much more, much less cut and dry than than they're just evil, right? It's it's about ideology. It's about what they think, and like I said, I think Unalak believes. I don't think Unalak is thinking I am doing an evil thing, but it, it it makes it hard when he gets possessed by the literal spirit of darkness and evil. So it's like, I think it kind of throws the whole thing into question and I think that's why this season is not as strong as the others because it it wants to what's the phrase it's like you want to have your cake and eat it too right like it's like you can't have morally complex characters and villains and also introduce this concept of um, immutable good and immutable evil and I think at the end of the day I mean I, I like the idea of the avatar being a representation of the spirit of light and the the physical manifestation of that um and i i don't think it it throws out the morally complex qualities of the avatar but again it's like 
we've kind of reduced the beginning of of this whole world as a light in a dark situation which i guess you know if you take out all of the humanity of something then yeah that's kind of what's all is left but is that a good thing to take out all the humanity out of everything including the story i don't know yeah i'm very split on it i don't in terms of the question of answering my own question here of whether the avatar could turn evil it it just depends on their definition of balance i guess you know and and we don't know every single story of each avatar. There could have been some who were like really shady or like really like did not have the best interests of the world at heart, you know, like and that that's my question of like, does Rava have like, you know, she's, of course, beyond time and everything like does she have like her own screening process before she picks someone to yeah, reincarnate right? into she, like, or is this just how the the universe is is random and yeah. things just happen the way they happen you know i don't know so i don't know it just it opens up a lot of like philosophical questions um and some of which i i feel do some damage to the strong foundation of this kind of world building but yeah I just this is why I I always never know where to land on this season. Yeah, this like I think this is in particular just kind of throws thing a big wrench into it. Um, Yeah. So we basically we end the episode. Cora knows about harmonic convergence, and it's apparently only a couple of it was days or weeks ahead. I don't know. I can't I can't remember what um, phony Azula says. not phony Azula. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what she says, but they lend her a they lend her a bison, and she did say like we've been we found this island of bison and we've been like breeding them ever since. So I remember you asking about you know where did all these bison come from? I guess from that island. Um, but yeah, and then she goes off, and we know that she's going to Tenzin. So yay, yay. okay. <laughs> We talked, I love how we started this episode being like, yeah, good episode. And then we kind of ended this with like, uh, hmm, this season got more sticky. I think they're they're great episodes. I think they're both engaging good episodes of television. Oh, absolutely. I just, I just think part two, like, just throws a lot of the world bidding stuff around the Avatar into question. And while it did, I think, give us a great origin story for the first Avatar, you know, of course, when you reveal the origin of something, it's just going to open up that thing to more speculation you know and you you're trying to see like if it matches up with this current version of what you think you know that's why some people hate like you know like origin episodes of their favorite characters or just origin or prequels even you know that's why people hate it because they think it think it like throws the original thing that they loved like into question because they don't know what to think about it anymore so yeah i don't know I don't I don't think it was a bad episode by any means. Um and I think no, it's, I, think, so I think they're both I think they're both great great like two-part cohesive episodes. Agreed. Um and I think it it also makes like a whole lot of sense too of like where the avatar came from that sort of thing. So Um yeah, any last thoughts on these either episode, Kayla? Um nothing else I can think of. Um you know, maybe again, like this kind of, you know, talking about this episode kind of obviously reshaped my perspective on that. So I'm interesting. I'm interested in seeing how going from how my perspective changes if it does mm-hmm. again going forward in this season. Yeah. 
Um, cool. Well, I wanted to talk about some more trivia that was on the Avatar Wiki pages for these episodes because I just think they're really interesting and I wanted to talk about them. Um, so Beginnings Part 1 and 2 were actually the first episodes to go into production. So before even Episode 1, these first two episodes were the first to go into production by Studio Mir, who were the animators for Season 1. This is the studio that had to take a break because uh, they were like severely overworked and that's why we had the other... Uh, production company and animation studio work on this and that's why some some of the first episodes are like a little wonky in terms of animation mm-hmm. um, but I think after these episodes came out they returned um, uh, to animate the rest of the the season so um, so yeah and I mean it definitely shows that these first two episodes I could tell that there's like a lot of time and probably a lot of money spent on it um, yeah especially because this is like this is kind of explaining the world and why it is the way it is the origin of the avatar like this mm-hmm. is a big fucking deal they definitely need to spend have that be you know recorded first you know yeah yeah for sure um i did not know this i thought this was this was really cool the basic concept of the origin story using these episodes had been in development well before the creators began work on book two spirits of legend of Korra. Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konitzko had been discussing the idea since book two of Avatar The Last Airbender, but did not present the story to the writers until much later. Um, and mm. I love that. And I didn't know that. I and didn't it, know that either. It, it's interesting to like look at Avatar from that perspective of them having their, this basic idea of where the Avatar came from, which I, you know, now that I'm saying it out loud, sounds like a pretty important thing to know. Before you you go and write something like this, you know, and help bit. helps that yeah inform how you're going to write a character like Aang. Um, and I mean, I I sometimes think like, what would it have done if we got these origin episodes in the first series? Um, and weirdly enough, I don't think they would have fit as well as they do in this series. Well, considering um, that the big bad and the overarching like story of the season kind of depends on knowing this origin story. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there would have been a real narrative reason for us to learn about it. Right. Because, I mean, the big bad was not anything to do with like spirits or energy or anything. It was just a big bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, let's see what else. The markings on the forehead of the fire lion turtle, the first one we see in this episode, are identical to those on the head of the lion turtle who gave Aang the ability to energy bend. Um, Jeremy Zuckerman, who's the composer for both Korra and Avatar, derived the musical theme that plays during during Wan's interactions with the lion turtle from the light motif associated with the lion turtle that Aang encounters in the first series, which I did not clock. So I think that's really, really cool. Basically just using the same music for the lion turtles in between series. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm all I, surprised you didn't pick that up sooner. Come on, Miss, come on, Mr. Music God, composer. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, <laughs> Was that composing major for nothing? <laughs> to the, uh, wow. <laughs> to be, <laughs> to, <laughs> To be fair, the lion turtle was in a one episode of Avatar, so thank you. <laughs> um, I got a tease. Anyway, hey, it's fine. I'm, I'm also questioning whether getting my, uh, you know, degrees <laughs> in college have been worth it. Anyway, so you're good, friend. You're good. Uh, classic <laughs> early twenties crisis. Um, <laughs> and this last one that I wanted to include because I thought it was really 
cool and poetic. Uh, just like Avatar Roku's origin story, Avatar 1's story ends with the crying of a baby signaling the birth of the next Avatar following his death. I thought that was a really cool detail to include. So. Absolutely. Um, and also, uh, I meant to point this out sooner in the episode, but uh, mm-hmm. the area, the battlefield where Juan eventually dies is uh, the ruins that Zuko ends up riding through during uh, Zuko mm-hmm. alone. So I think I might have pointed out during that episode, but it's nice to bring it up again, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe, you know, someday we'll get an Avatar 1 movie or series that, you know, explores whatever that conflict was, you know, in the Earth Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know they're always beefing with somebody. Yeah, right. Jeez, <laughs> I particularly would like to see the second Avatar. Kind of like, you know, this is like yeah, the, deal with that. Yeah, you know? right. You're the Avatar. You got to deal with it. Uh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to our recommendations for the week. Uh, what do you recommend this week, Andre? Um, for all my fellow Grey's Anatomy viewers and fans out there, um, <laughs> I started uh, working with this new podcast, editing their episodes. They're called the On Call Room Podcast, and they are a Grey's Anatomy recap show, and they are hilarious, and I love it. And I went from editing their show to like going back and listening to some of their episodes, and they are just a ton of fun to listen to. Um, and if you, you know... Love this podcast because we give you, you know, the first 10 minutes, just life updates. This is that. But instead of the first 10, it's like the first 20. And I love it Um, because they're just super funny. And, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, people are like, I don't want to. I just want to get into the thing. These people are just so funny. And I'm like always wanting to hear like what they've been up to between episodes. So super fun. Go check them out on Call Room Podcast. Love it. And I, at the end of the episodes, they call, they have such good branding. At the end of their episodes, they call Time of Death, which is like the end of their episode. And I just I think it's so fun. And Details. it's so cute. I love that. And then they, they like drop us a review and leave us five scalpels uh, on iTunes. I'm like, oh my god. And then their Patreon tiers, it's like intern, resident, attending. I'm like, you guys just, you guys got the branding down so good. <laughs> They're so great. Go check them out on the awesome. podcast. Awesome. Well, meanwhile, mine's a little bit more on the silly side of things as well. Uh, it's Peter Pan Goes Wrong, which is actually on Broadway right now. Um, but essentially, have you heard of like the play that goes wrong, Andre? I have. Okay. Yeah. So for those who haven't heard about it, this like a I guess they do multiple of these, but essentially it's exactly what it sounds like. It is the play that goes wrong. Except mm-hmm. they obviously plan these things. So like uh, Peter Pan Goes Wrong, they actually filmed it for a BBC broadcast. It's actually for free on YouTube with ads if you watch it on YouTube now. I'm oh, just really? watching it this week. Yeah, uh, it's free with ads. I have an ad blocker, so no big deal on my end. Uh, but then <laughs> yeah, I, I paid $12 a month for YouTube premium. <laughs> I don't. I got a free blocker on I, my. I like to be <laughs> difficult. Just a little bit. But yeah, essentially <laughs> like. Peter Pan Goes Wrong is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, They are trying, it's basically, the concept of it is a community theater production trying to put on Peter Pan, essentially, um, of them trying to pull this show off and things just keep fucking up. People forget lines. (laughs) There's literally like a whole bit where they have the person who's playing Michael like has these big ass headphones on and he's talking too loudly because people keep feeding him lines into his headphones. Um, Like people fall like they have like the, (laughs) you know, set pieces fall down. This is like I don't want to spoil all the good jokes there, but it's it's fucking hilarious. The slapstick is impeccable. I am so impressed with their stunt team on this because there are some like fire stunts. There's uh-huh. some like falling stunts. Like it is fucking hilarious. 
Um, and like, the, it's literally the embodiment the show goes on. Peter Pan crashes and falls, and like, you know, they just keep, <laughs> they just keep fucking going. Uh, audio cues, they keep, someone keeps pressing like the beep sound effect for a cab during like scenes in Neverland. Like, it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It is so funny. They have like I, I want to see more of this, but I'm very glad that's on Broadway in New York. And apparently they have like pre-show stuff where they're trying to run a wire through the crowd or like, you know, like what's even great is these actors are not only playing like Peter Pan and Wendy, but they are also playing uh-huh. like the stage manager. Like even some of the crew members are in oh the God. show. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> And, like, they have their own kind of, like, plot lines and stuff going on outside of, like, the show that they're putting on. So there's, like, some drama between castmates and, you know, it's, and that, like, translates to stage. It's so funny and so well done. Like, go check this out. Uh, if you have the, the money and the means to it, go see it in New York. Because I'm sure that there are some jokes in there that were not in the BBC version. There's different things mm-hmm. they probably do. Like, oh, I love Peter Pan Goes Wrong. It is so so fucking funny. If you need to laugh, like I do all the time, uh, there's there's one for you. <laughs> Serotonin boost. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I just saved it to my watch later. Yes, please. It's only an hour long, so it's an easy watch. Yeah, please, please watch it. Please check it out. Well, if you'd like to stay updated on what we're up to with the Avatar Hour podcast, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour podcast and on Twitter at Avatar Hour. We're on TikTok, which we're kind of spotty on that, if I'm honest. But if you'd like to follow us and see the four videos we posted there, you can follow us at the Avatar (laughs) Hour pod. Uh, (laughs) We've posted more than four. To our credit, you've posted more than four. So, yeah, I guess uh, we'll get that up and running another, <laughs> some other time. Exactly. I considered I considered making some TikToks of our previous episode because listening do. back to it when I was editing, I thought it was just so funny. Oh yeah, we have some we have some good moments in these podcasts. Yeah. We definitely need to make some like TikTok videos of. But um, I wanted to do like a crack at it where it's like you know you like you out do, of like, context, the zoom ins, out of context. Like, yes, please do. You know, put in like little text bars being like what like yeah. <laughs> One day, one, one day, day when I have time. Yeah, right. Oh my god. Um, and if you have some thoughts, theories, head cannons, or you just want to say hello or send some memes or something, you can email us at the Avatar Hour Podcast at gmail.com. And before you go, please take a moment to make sure you are following or are subscribed to our show wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to leave a review and leave five lion turtles and let us know what you think about the show. Uh, reviews really do help us uh, find new people to listen to the show and help grow our Avatar Hour family. Um, so if you have a, a second to do that, we'd really appreciate it. Um, that is it for us today. We will be back with two more episodes of season two of The Legend of Korra. But until then, my name is Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.